we don't always have a say in the cards we're dealt. We don't always have a say in the experiences. We can't control other people. What we can control is how we perceive it. And that is not easier said than done whatsoever. In fact, it's actually rather hard, especially when you're going through some shit. Maybe it takes three weeks, three months, three years for you to look back on an experience and be like, wow, this is how I perceive it. Whether that be a breakup, whether that be something in business, whether that be health related, whatever the case is, there is a reason for everything. And I don't want to sound toxic positive here. I don't want to sound like that at all. That's why I'm saying it might take some time for you to change your perception on something, but you could definitely find something good in almost anything you go through. Welcome to Pivot Me where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. Hello, Pivoters. I'm so pumped to bring you another successful entrepreneur interview, and this one gets deep. Our guest today is Matt Labrie, an award-winning entrepreneur, nationally coveted speaker, and a top-ranked podcast host. Matt shares the story of failing out of college, the last-minute conversation he had with Damon John of Shark Tank, and how he ended up working for him before building his 1B Branding, a New York City-based branding agency. But today's conversation ends up going in a different direction. So Matt shares a little bit about how his career began taking shape, his lavish lifestyle, his spending, and then soon after the self-sabotage that ends up getting him into trouble... Then he shares the one thing he did to get him onto the right path that he's on now and how it really affected everything about his life and the way he runs his business today. If you are someone who struggles with self-sabotage, maybe even has a little worthiness that's getting in the way of your goals, then this podcast is for you. Matt is the host of the top-ranked podcast, Decoding Success, and is pursuing his North Star goal, impacting 1 billion lives. And he's about to share how he does that. Let's get into it. Welcome, Matt, to the Pivot Me podcast. April, first and foremost, expressing my gratitude yet again for this opportunity. Really excited to be here with you. Absolutely. Matt and I were just talking a little bit offline about some of the reasons why he loved his podcast. It's such a good story. I'm going to ask you about that, Matt. We just obviously read your bio. We got a little bit about you. But first, tell us why you started the podcast, because I loved that story you just shared with me. Yeah. uh, As mentioned, it is slightly selfish, but at the end of the day, after working with Damon John of Shark Tank, that was my first job out of college and having direct mentorship and access to an individual that I aspire to be like in all areas of life, not just in business, but in his relationship, in his healing journey, in his friendships, in the way he mentored, like the list goes on. I realized that I 
although had and still do have a relationship with him, it's not as direct, nor is it as frequent as it was. So I was being urged at the time by a former intern turned coworker, turned great friend of mine who kept saying, Matt, you need a podcast. You need a podcast. And truthfully, at the time I was working, I'm like, dude, I don't have the time for that. Who does? Right. Yeah. And it got to a point where after I left my job, I really had nothing to do. And I realized like, all right, cool. Maybe subconsciously the driving factor to starting this podcast is to have direct access and mentorship to individuals that I wouldn't necessarily have access to without that podcast. And coming with the Rolodex in which I did, I said, you know what? This is an amazing opportunity. And now 225 plus episodes into it, we're rocking and we're rolling. Oh, that is awesome. So I want to ask you about the podcast, but first I want to point something out. That was your first job out of college. How did that happen? That's a really interesting story. Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. Let's do it. (laughs) So I fucked up in many areas of life. One of them was academically. And truthfully, that I mean, we can go down the rabbit hole of why probably some inner child healing needed to be done, whatever the case is. But ultimately, I got my shit together eventually. Without going too far back, I had failed out of college, got myself back in after maybe like a year hiatus because you're just on academic probation and all of that BS. So transitioning forward, I really got my shit together. I realized at the school that I was attending, the students there didn't necessarily have the access and or the experiences that I've personally had. And at the time, I mean, I was running a business that was really bringing in over six figures at you know a really young age. And I was very grateful for that, working with the likes of reality television stars, hip hop artists, pop stars, like really, really incredible people. And I took on a leadership role in college. And at that point, I was in Dominican Republic on my spring break during my junior year. And I'll never forget this. I was sitting poolside with a drink and I got a call on my cell phone and I said, why the hell is my school calling me? First and foremost, I paid tuition because I paid it my damn self. And then I'm like, what could they be calling me about? And on the other end of the line, the woman was inviting me to meet Damon John on my college campus in one week. Wow. To connect the dots some more, he grew up in the neighborhood in which my college was located. He was coming to promote his book for a speaking engagement. I was one of three students to meet him in the green room before he hit the stage. Last person to shake his hand before he hit the stage, he looked at me. I know I have a really big head, but he looked at me like I had 10 of these. And that's because I said to him, Damon, I'm going to work for you. Lo and behold, two months later, three months later, I was interning for him. Turned that internship into a job. And now we're here. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. So what business were you doing before then that gave you those connects? So you were comfortable at that level. Absolutely. And what's crazy is the business also was the reason I got connected to Damon in the long run. Basically, I was an independent contractor in New York City hospitality. A bunch of friends, I mean, I call them family at this point. We were in business for nearly seven years, some of them longer because they are older than me. They've probably been rocking for maybe 10 to 15 years and very grateful for their guidance and you know them taking me under their wing. But we had an incredible run in just hospitable events, whether that be social events, networking stuff, really, really fun times. And we worked with really high profile file clientele. It was absolutely incredible and it paid really, really well. So it was great to be able to pay my way through college because after I failed out, my parents just cut me off totally and had to figure it out. And that's how I did it. Yeah. Was it hard to focus in college when you have this side gig that's what most people want for salaries? I mean, is it hard for you to go and and focus? Absolutely. And I think ultimately... It was a driving factor of me failing out. And there's there's other factors as well, right? Like, yes, career is one lane of life, but I also had other shit going on. My mother was battling cancer. 
as I was in college. And to be honest, I was just so numb to that experience because who wants to see someone they love in pain, especially when you can't control it. I'm not a doctor. I have no clue what she's experiencing. So there were numerous factors. And although I did own and operate a business per se, at the same time, I never really settled because at that point in my life, I thought money was going to heal all the pain that I've experienced from childhood and beyond. So what I was doing was just hustling. I would go to school. I would work this nightlife business on the weekends. I would work at a gym. I would work at a pizzeria delivering. Like The list went on and I would just stack in cash, stack in cash. It made me think that I didn't need college because I had access and the ability to run it up financially through hustling, literally physically hustling. But I also didn't realize that wasn't sustainable because now I'm 29 years old and I can't hustle like that anymore. You know, like I truly can. Sure. But I was curious because I'm like, a lot of kids that are in college are like, man, I hope I get out and make a six-figure salary. And you're like, I'm already there and I'm a sophomore and it would be hard to focus. Let me ask you, like, what was going through your head when you had the opportunity to meet him and you said, I'm going to work for you? Like, that takes guts. Like, what were you thinking? Was that characteristic of you or something you would do? Or was it just you're caught up in the moment? You just gave me the chills, April, because I've never been asked that before. And I don't think it was even me that said it. And I don't mean to get all spiritual and woo-woo here. Like, I just feel like something came over me and pushed those words out of my mouth. So looking back on the experience, I mean, we had less than a five-minute conversation. And after working with him for three years, I realized how many people say things to him of that nature. You do 200 plus speaking engagements a year. You have people coming up to you saying, oh, invest in me. I want to work with you, right? That's just pretty normal. But it came out of my mouth. <laughs> you know. So I think it was a greater power that just made me do it. Yeah, that takes guts. It takes a lot of courage to do something like that. And so then when you're going to intern with him and then eventually work for him, are you battling imposter syndrome at all? Like, are you going, why me? Or are you in there and you're like, yep, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be? Great question again. I had a facade at that point in my life. I mean, I was just so externally driven, so externally driven, so materialistically driven. What kind of jeans could I wear? What kind of car can I drive? So on and so forth. And I don't necessarily think I had imposter syndrome, but and not interning. It was more so when I became an employee because I had a level of comfort at that point. As an intern, you know, you got to be on your A game, especially if you know what you want. And I wanted that salary and I wanted to work for this company that only had, I don't know, 30 employees max. Like no one had the same title. Like I really, really wanted to do that. And yeah, I mean, in short, to answer the question, it was more so a facade than imposter syndrome. Yeah, for sure. So what changed? So that sounds like before. What changed? Can't say that. I'm done. You know, the whole show is about pivoting, like healing from the inside out. And truthfully, what put me even down that journey, you know, as a kid, my parents were divorced and, you know, just the courts were like, you know, you got to put this little fifth grade boy into therapy so he could deal with his shit. I mean, I'm in fifth grade. I don't even yeah. know what kind of shit I have to deal with. Exactly. You know? so there, I think therapy, you know what I would do? I would go into my therapist's office when I was in that point in life and I would count the books on his bookshelf while I was in those sessions. Like that's what I would do there. But in June of 2020, I had a wake up call, just a relationship gone wrong. And it just put me in a really weird spot. And all of a sudden it led me down a journey of really digging deep and, and seeing like what's up. And once I've done that, life has been different. Wow. It's a hell of a pivot point. It's interesting because a lot of times the situations were like, we didn't want to be in them. A lot of times they happen to us. 
But ultimately, that's a massive growth comes from that, whether that's healing, just growth in general. But was your life kind of marked like before that date and then after that date? That's a really interesting question too. As you were saying that, I was just like, you know what? Maybe it is like BH and AH before (laughs) healing and after healing. I appreciate that question because ultimately I know who I was before I, and it's not that I was a bad person. You know, I don't want to, you know, make it sound like that. I definitely started to mature more and more and more before even leading up to like really working on myself because I was always into personal development, the Tony Robbins, the walk on fire type of stuff. I love that stuff. But there was a level of maturity, which obviously pivoted me from who I was, you know, with this grandiose ego. And then just a lot more calm, a lot more intuitive, a lot more at peace with the healing journey that I'm currently on. So that's a really interesting question because I, you know, just looking from it, you know, full spectrum perspective, I do see a difference. I appreciate you bringing me down that path. Absolutely. So I'm trying to imagine the use of grandiose ego. Where is that coming from? I mean, if we've got like childhood trauma and then we end up with the ego, is this compensating? What's happening there? I like to think at least the, well, everyone has one, right? Just throwing that out there. It really comes down to who has their ego in the driver's seat versus the back seat. And mine was in the driver's seat of the largest car in the world. Like it was just like, you're and the fastest car. Like it was crazy. You know, it was just really crazy. Ultimately, I think my ego stayed in the driver's seat to create a sense of self-worth, to create a sense of self-importance, to kind of show some sort of toxic masculinity, I would even say. Yeah, just like fake worth, pretty much. That's what it was. And the ego was just driving that. And it was just, don't get me wrong, like there were good things about it. It did make me hustle. It did make me say outrageous things to high profile people that got me internships and jobs in, in a sense. So there most definitely is a positive to it, but there's also the negatives, pros and cons for sure. Sure. So the way you ran a business before when that was in the driver's seat of a very large car, I love that. Love the imagery. The way you ran a business before versus the way you run a business now, how are they different? It worked back then because the area in which the business was operating was in a sort of materialistic realm, right? If you go to a nightclub, you know, you can order a magnum bottle of champagne that costs $10,000. So when you bolstered an ego, you, you acted like your poop don't stink, like all of that stuff, it almost played to my advantage, right? It, it, it was just the realm in which I was in. Now, today, in regards to how I run my business, it's much more mindful. I think that's the word to use. I'm able to step away when I'm too tired, which I never did back then because, I mean, we also operated in the wee hours of the night all the way up until 5 a.m., 6 a.m. sometimes. You know, So I wasn't stepping away. Just mindful is the way that I would express it. Mindful in who I work with. Do we align? Or am I just bringing you in because I need a paycheck? I don't operate like that anymore as opposed to back then. It's just like, give me all the money. Give me all the money. Give me all the money. There's a totally different motivator at this point. If someone is listening right now, so if let's just say we got a pivoter listening, that's like, so I'm running my business and maybe I've got some work that I need to do and they haven't gone down the road. So whether that's healing through therapy, books, ashram in India, there's lots of ways people do it, right? Yep. If they're feeling like, yeah, I've got some work to do, what advice would you give them? To be gentle and start where you can. And the reason I say that is because I am not gentle. (laughs) with myself. And when I say be gentle, I mean with yourself, right? I'm not gentle with myself and nor am I patient. And those two together are a real deadly combo. Yeah. I totally resonate. I was like, yeah, that's, that's the same way I would describe myself as well. Not gentle, not patient with yourself or with your own results. 
I mean, the pivoters that are tuned into this, I'm, you know, sure they're high performing individuals. So like, we want to see results. We want to take action for me personally. I remember when I started my healing journey, not only did I hire a CBT cognitive behavioral therapist, but I also hired a coach who was a former psychotherapist. I started flotation therapy. I started yoga. I'm like, I bought CBD. I'm like, I'm just going to do everything. Sounds like the way a high performer approaches healing right there. Like that was exactly how they do it. (laughs) Right. So ultimately be gentle. And I'm still working on that. Right. So I need to take my own advice here, but be gentle because things are going to unfold when they need to. Otherwise they would have unfolded already, or maybe they don't need to unfold. Who knows? Be gentle with yourself. And ultimately comes down to trusting the process a little too, because it is a process. It's not something that happens overnight, which is hard to hear sometimes, especially for me and for all the high performers that are listening to this, but that's the truth. It's so true. So I had Rick Sheffron on a few weeks back and, uh, you know, he's amazingly successful. He did like the first automated webinar and he does marketing advice for all the gurus. And he said something very interesting. He said, I have a theory that we create businesses that satisfy a need we had in our childhood. I want to float that by you. Like how much do you see of maybe the unfoldings of your childhood show up in your business? That's kind of a heavy concept for me to drop on you, but I'm curious if you've got thoughts on that. That's incredible. It makes me think. So I run a branding agency and ultimately the reason I started this was because I really credit a lot of my experiences and just resume stuff to the personal brand I've been able to build for myself. I'm not talking about like a logo or a this or a that. Like I'm, I'm talking about like really giving people the idea of who I am before they can assume that. And so to connect the dots here, I think, wow, maybe the reason I started this business and the reason I value branding so much is because it's allowed me to project a sense of worth to individuals before they could assume my own worth. This is the first time I've been accessed, so I'm trying to work it out here on the air, but that is kind of what came to mind when you asked that. And I'm holding this little truth stone in my hand. So if that's coming from the heart, then that's what I'm going with. Wow. Yeah. When he said it, it rocked me, just to be clear. When Rich said it on the podcast, I was like, damn. And I said, well, what did you most want in your childhood? And he said, freedom. And I was like, that's mine too. It really stopped me in the tracks when he's throw this theory out. So I wanted to throw it out to you too, because I've started to kind of pull on that thread a little bit with other business owners. And they're like, there is a lot of times I'm creating something that I wish would have existed. Sometimes it's in previous companies that you worked with and you're like, all right, I don't want to do that. You know, I'll take some pages from their playbook, but there's a lot of things I'm not going to do. But a lot of business owners, when they sat down and thought about it, they found that quite a bit of their childhood or maybe some things that were missing from their childhood end up showing up in their business today. So that's really interesting. I have a client that has a pretty catchy catchphrase that says, your pain is your brand. She says that in reference to individuals starting a business around their pain. And I think the the two kind of run on a little bit of a parallel track because, and a lot of us are in, right? Like I truthfully wasn't aware of a lot of my childhood pain until I picked up the book that I have next to me, you know, called Homecoming by John Bradshaw. And yeah, I mean, I I really wasn't aware of it. And obviously, you know, my therapist kind of pointed stuff out and it was just hard for me to connect the dots until I picked up this book. But ultimately like, yeah, we have that pain. So I don't know. That's a really, really interesting take. And, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, like I said, is, you know, your pain is your brand, that famous catchphrase. So that's going to make me think on that a little bit. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, so with your experience with working through 
pains that you've experienced and your experience with healing. When you look at other business owners, whether that's clients that you work with or just ones that you've interacted with, how are they self-sabotaging? And is it because they haven't done the process of healing? It is. So there's another book called The Big Leap. It's by Gay Hendricks. I've noticed in my life before I did the healing, and we're going to talk before healing, after healing, as we just discussed earlier, before healing, I would continuously self-sabotage when things went so damn good that I couldn't believe that I deserved to be rewarded by my hard work in such a way. I'll give you examples. At a very young age, I accumulated $50,000 in the bank, whatever it was. I was in my very early 20s. I blew all of that. I want to be gentle with myself. I did pay my college tuition. I did take a couple risks with it. I did intern for a year without getting paid. So like just painting the picture here, but what I should have done, and maybe this is just a maturity thing. And I think this was self-sabotage, which is why I'm bringing it up. What I should have done was change my means of living, right? Like I should have lived below my means at that point. And I didn't do that. And the reason I didn't do that to connect all of the dots here is because I didn't want to feel less of who I was. So taking the Uber XL when I don't have a paying job and I am one person and I don't need the truck, but I'm going to get the truck, the Suburban to come pick me up to act like I'm someone that I'm not. That's self-sabotage in a way. And it, it truly, truly is. And even beyond that, right? I just did a challenge called 75 Hard by Andy Frisella. You did it? No, I just love it. It's on my list for this year. So it's just funny because I was just talking about that with my mastermind right before this call. So I love that. Coming up again. Love it. Did 75 hard. I did it through the holidays last year. I did it through Thanksgiving. I did it through Christmas. I did it through New Year. That's when you know you're serious. I was serious, but you want to know what's crazy. I mean, the results were incredible. Mind-wise, body-wise, you get it. The results were so incredible. Again, even though I'm on this healing journey, there was still some self-sabotage because you know what? There were many nights I cracked open a bottle of wine and had all four glasses within it by myself. There were many nights that I didn't have pizza for 75 days and even days after that. But then you want to know what? I went and I overate. And our relationship to food, our relationship to alcohol, our relationship to tapping into too much abundance. Like it's really interesting. So, I mean, I can go down the rabbit hole of self-sabotage. I've been there and done that many times. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you point out that like you could complete 75 hard and then still sabotage afterwards. Like you can learn all the lessons, you can get the experience. It's amazing. And yet we're still going to stumble. And I think that's so important for pivoters to hear because a lot of times we get connected to this idea of perfect execution. There is no perfect execution. There's just progress and you will always get off track. The idea is when you do the work, the personal development work, when you listen to pivot me, the idea is that we just get you back on track quicker. But if you're under the impression that you'll never get off track, that's just not the human experience. So I love that you shared like, hey, I knocked it out of the park and then I drank a bottle of wine. You know, I knocked it out of the park and then I ate a pizza. That's relatable and that's real. All that matters is that when you do self-sabotage, you get back on as quick as you can. You have to, right? You have to. And truthfully, I didn't. In fact, I actually let myself slowly spiral from a physical health perspective. I just fell back into a comfort zone, right? Because it was actually uncomfortable to have such successful results from a program like 75 Hard, right? Really? Yeah, absolutely. You, you sabotaged after you completed it? Absolutely. A hundred percent. You look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, damn, am I supposed to look this good? Am I worth looking this good? 
And the sabotage kicks in, not consciously, subconsciously. And I think that's where a lot of this shit lives is subconsciously. So I don't say to myself when I look in the mirror, damn, do I, am I supposed to look this good? Do I deserve to look this good? I don't say that, but I mean, who would that's, you know, none of us would, but yeah, that happens. It happened to me. But your actions stack up. Yeah. Yeah. And then they compound, they can compound negatively, or, you know, you could turn the ship around, you can compound positively. Right. So what do you do when you're in that? We all self-sabotage and we all have a cycle of self-sabotage. It's really powerful if you can acknowledge that. That's one of the exercises we do in the mastermind is understanding kind of the stimulus and response and the triggers will always be there. What we try to do is change your response to the triggers. And so it's like when this happens, maybe it's, you know, you lost a contract or for some people it might be losing a job or an argument with their partner. But when you're in that cycle of self-sabotage, do you have something that you do to get yourself out? I'm going to be honest. I truthfully don't because sometimes I don't even recognize that I'm in the self-sabotage. Sometimes I, th- I just think I'm living life. Uh, and listen, there is balance in life. You are allowed to eat pizza. You know, you should also, you know, maybe drink a fresh juice or eat your vegetables too, right? There is a balance without a doubt. And I think there's a little bit of toxicness around enjoy yourself fad, you know, like don't, don't be too strict with yourself because then I can enjoy myself every day, you yeah, know? Exactly. Um, and that's what I credit living life to. And I, don't always recognize when I'm in self-sabotage or I'm not, you know, you're bringing up an interesting point, like obviously having a hyper awareness of what's going on in your life, whether that be a a journal or maybe you're micromanaging yourself on a day-to-day basis and like literally breaking it down by every 30 minutes to finally realize by the end of the week, holy shit, I had pizza this day, this day, this day, this day, this day. I don't know. Maybe that works for some people. Truthfully, I don't have anything like that in place. So maybe I'm going to have to after this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we always ask about the self-sabotage thing. Like, how do you do it? And how do you get yourself out of it? I think you brought up a great point, which is you have to first recognize you're doing it. And many of us don't even realize it. And sometimes it can help us when we have, a, we'll say, a trusted friend that not everybody gets to speak into your life. Not everybody deserves a ticket, but a trusted friend that's like, hey, this is this thing that I do. If you see me do this, hold me accountable. There is such power in having effectively an accountability buddy for your self-sabotage. When I get super fit, I kind of get into the spiral of worthiness or am I supposed to look this good? And so then I sabotage. Help me through that. When you see me doing that, call me out. I've actually just real time, I thought of one, which is one of the ways that I can sabotage is sometimes I'll want to do a trip or travel and I will start to get cold feet when I get close to it. Not because I don't love travel. I'm an avid, avid traveler, but because I have two daughters and I feel bad about being away from them. And so when I'm booking it, I think, oh, I'm excited to do this thing. And I was talking to a friend yesterday about doing humanitarian work in Peru And I said, now hold me accountable to the fact that when it gets closer, I'm going to start having second doubts. Like I know that I'm going to start thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't do this because of this. And I'll start presenting all these reasons why I shouldn't do that and doubt my decision. So that's a way that I sabotage on something that I know is really important to me, know that I really want to do. So I have a trusted friend and Tammy, if you're listening, you know who you are. (laughs) that they call me out when I'm doing it. They're like, no, 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 you're doing this thing. Don't do the thing. Like it's going to be great. And you're inspiring your daughters to do the same thing. So knowing your flavor of sabotage, knowing that cycle, what triggers it and then what you typically do and then pre-plan, but I'm going to do this next time. Next time I'm going to do it differently. And it's okay to have a friend along with you. Just like, if you see me start doing this, that's what I'm doing and call me out so I can get back on track. 
Yeah, I love that. That's really powerful. I'm glad that you got that right there is nice. Yeah. Everything demands your attention right now. You want to be on your A game, but you need two of you just to manage your day. But what if I could multiply you? What if I told you there are secrets that top performers are using right now to still get ahead? There are, and I'll give them to you. In my new Four Steps videos, I'll show you how to master distraction, practice prioritization, get the right things done without working more hours. And for now, I'm doing it for free. Your time is priceless right now and you need to take back control of your day and your to-do list. Go to pivot-me.com backslash four steps and you can begin the videos within seconds. We all need more time right now and four steps will give it to you. Yes, you can multiply yourself and I'll show you how to do it in four steps. So talk to us about the business that you're running now. You say you run a branding agency. Talk to us about what you're doing. Yeah, more so focused on personal brands. You know, that's what I was doing with Damon. I got hired literally to just continuously revolutionize and digitize his brand, you know, on social, on websites, digital courses, even books. So yeah, maybe physical stuff as well. And I really took a liking to it because you get to really control the narrative. It's almost PR in a sense, where you get to control the narrative of how the public eye views you. You get to choose what your messaging is. Like it's, It was a really, really great experience. And I said to myself, how can I continue to do what I was doing on a larger scale with more people? So at first, and listen, I'm going to keep it real. My first year of business sucked. Like it was really, really hard. And it was actually really dark because when you're a high achiever and someone that's a high performer and you're used to having a certain type of result and you're not getting that type of result and you're like literally scrummaging around for clients, like it's really difficult. But yeah, I mean, eventually I was able to get the ship rolling, get the ball rolling more and more. And I've been working with incredible individuals and some business brands as well to really, really help them with consulting them on getting their word out there or what their word, maybe even finding their word. I had this conversation recently, like a lot of individuals think their word is one thing, but realize that's just the mask they're wearing. So we actually have to even do some like psychological work to be able to uncover that to truly reveal the person that's underneath that. It's a really, really incredible opportunity to consult with individuals and help them create the brand they're looking to create. So to pull this information out of them, do you feel like your own healing journey really helps you pull this out of them? Totally. Yeah. I feel like I'm a therapist sometimes. I did not go to school for that. So do not consult me for therapy whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I get that a lot in regards to people that have maybe that have had a coach, right? I mean, listen, April, if you learn something today from a coach of your own, you, you're able to teach on that to an extent. And I realized that my healing journey has allowed me to connect with people on a deeper level. We couldn't have this conversation three years ago. Maybe I could have faked it. I can sell a little bit, but yeah, we probably wouldn't have been able to get this deep, but yeah, it's definitely helped. Definitely. That is amazing. So talk to us about the impacting 1 billion lives. It's so funny. I said that when I started speaking, right? In 2017, I had just graduated college. Just to clarify, I was on the seven-year college plan for the four-year degree. I know that one well. 
Yeah, I did not come out of there with a doctorate, although I probably should have, or a master's. <laughs> yeah, with that being said, after I graduated college, I was posting just like random blogs on LinkedIn. That was big at the time. And I, I was just speaking on my experience, like how I turned my internship into a job, little things like that. And I had a college reach out to me, Nassau Community College, which is Long Island, New York. And they were like, hey, I want you to come speak. This is where I had imposter syndrome because I was like, you want me to come speak? Like, I didn't really understand why, but I was like, all right, cool. Let me do it. So I went, I did it. I did not prepare for it whatsoever. I thought I was going to be able to wing it for 45 minutes straight. Always a good strategy. (laughs) Yeah. I thought I was going to speak for 45 minutes straight. I spoke for probably 15, looked at my watch and I said, what the hell am I going to do for the next 30 minutes? I was like, oh my goodness. But ultimately the reason I bring all of this up is because after that day or even during, you know, like when a significant other kind of gives you like a butterfly feeling, the students that I was speaking to were giving me that because of the way they were interpreting my message. And I was like, whoa, I just gave back and I felt really, really good about that. And I never want to stop doing that. I never want to stop feeling that feeling. Like ever, I'm getting the chills saying that because that is one of the most beautiful feelings. And that's led me to do not only speaking engagements, but I built a library in my local community. Like I love reading, like love reading. We had donations from Gary Vaynerchuk. We had donations from David Meltzer, John Gordon, Damon John, Marie Forleo, like really incredible people. And even beyond that, like I just realized like helping people made me feel so good. And I always ask myself, like, how can I help people? Is it jumping on a podcast? Is it raising $15,000 to feed the front line when the pandemic first hit? You know, we were feeding nurses and doctors and NYPD, FDN, like the list goes on. And again, maybe that's selfish that I do it because it makes me feel good. But that's the truth. Really, really does. And at the same time, it helps other people. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the speaking story. It's so relatable too of like, oh, well, I guess I should have planned what I was going to say. And yet it ended up leading to a speaking career. I'm so glad you got the opportunity to actually connect with the people that you were impacting. So if we're just up on stage, we don't really get a chance to know their stories or understand how our words have affected them. And I'm so glad you had the opportunity to hear that feedback and go, wow, I could really speak into these people's lives. Our message is so unique to us. No one else has exactly our message because I haven't had our exact experiences. And no doubt, both experiences you've had, but also the transparency that you'd bring to it. I don't know if you're bringing it back then when you first started speaking, but no doubt now people are really going to benefit from that. I think a lot of people assume that someone who's had the success that you've had, who've been in the circles that you've been in, they're going to assume you got it all together. And none of us have it all together perfectly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think even, you know, at times you, and not just me, I just know individuals out there can get caught up in wanting to keep that belief in other people concrete, right? Because you don't want to look, again, you don't want to look less of, I don't know. I mean, I get caught up in that. That's just the realism of it. Yeah. I mean, speaking really set it off for me. It's been an incredible journey. I've I've literally gone places I never thought I would go, like North Dakota or Jackson, Mississippi. (laughs) And like, I'm just a boy from Queens, New York. I never thought I would go to those places, but it's cool. It's really cool. That is awesome. The riveting places in North Dakota. I love it. I have one follow-up question. But first I want to ask, Matt, if the pivot want to connect with you, where is the best place for them to find you? Yeah. I mean, if you just type in my name on Instagram or Twitter, or I'm on all of them, probably more than I should be in full transparency. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely get caught up in that. And that is my go-to distraction. But yeah, you could DM me. I have always answered all my DMs on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, LinkedIn. Just type in my name. I'm sure I'll pop up. 
That's perfect. We'll put the links in the show notes as well. So Matt, here's our last question. If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Mm. That's a really big question. And I'm going to steal my response from a mentor of mine named John Gordon. If you're not familiar with him, he puts out a book almost every month, it seems. He's a best-selling author. He's a really, really incredible guy. And I discovered one of his books after walking into an Amazon bookstore in Manhattan. I don't know why I picked it up. It was called The Energy Bus. And I read this book and I took one thing away from it that will forever be with me. And that's what I'm going to share with you today, which is why I said I'm stealing this from someone, but it's an equation. I suck at math. I still suck at math, but this one's a lot easier. And the equation is E plus P equals O. And what that stands for is events plus perspective equals the outcome. And although we don't always have a say in the cards we're dealt, we don't always have a say in the experiences. We can't control other people. What we can control is how we perceive it. And that is not easier said than done whatsoever. In fact, it's actually rather hard, especially when you're going through some shit. You know, maybe it takes three weeks, three months, three years for you to look back on an experience and be like, wow, this is how I perceive it. Whether that be a breakup, whether that be something in business, whether that be health related, whatever the case is, there is a reason for everything. And and I don't want to sound toxic positive here at all. Like I don't want to sound like that at all. That's why I'm saying it might take some time for you to change your perception on something. But I mean, you could definitely, definitely find something good in almost anything you go through. I think that's such a good reminder. And I I liked that book too. And what's important about that equation, Matt, I love that the whole events plus perspective equals outcome. And I think that if you haven't done the work, you make the mistake that you think events equal outcome. Like, well, there's no perspective. There's no looking at it from a different angle. It's just the events equal this outcome. And it's a way really for us to justify sometimes the things that we're not doing well, sometimes the mediocre results we're getting and we're like, oh, it's because it's the events, but you're missing the P, the perspective. It's your perspective. The events don't necessarily change. That's a pretty constant thing. This thing happened, but our perspective of it can change. And just by changing the perspective completely affects the other side of that equation. I mean, the outcome can be completely different. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's something that just really stuck with me for years. I mean, I read that book and I want to say 2016. And, you know, whenever I get a question like that, that's probably the most monumental piece of advice I've had to date, you know, and obviously there's other things. I mean, there's plenty. If you ask me more, I can give you another one, but yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like that is so simple and just something that we all have control over to an extent and something that we could all work on because I mean, I hear stories. I'm sure you hear them on the podcast, you know, with the pivoters and, and even beyond that perspective is a really, really big game changer. Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much for coming on Pivot Me, for both sharing your journey and being as transparent as you are. That's a a rare quality. I love that you can both say, hey, here's the things that I was doing and here's some of the things I did right. And here's some of the way that I self-sabotaged or things that I still struggle with. I appreciate that because once again, people can hear themselves in your story. And it also gives them the hope of overcoming, whether it's healing, building a business and healing at the same time. I mean, it's a powerful message. So thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. You ask phenomenal questions and I really mean that. You made me think without a doubt. If I wasn't holding this little truth zone, I probably would have taken longer to respond, but (laughs) thank you again for the opportunity. I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. Thanks. I love how transparent Matt was about his journey with his struggles with self-sabotage and ultimately how he found his path and his healing. The work, his work isn't done though. 
He reminds us we're all just a work in progress. None of us are done. And isn't that the way personal development works? We don't graduate from this. We get new level, new devil. There's something else to tackle, some self-sabotaging cycle we need to break. But I applaud him for his vulnerability with us today. Being honest about like taking an Uber XL when he really couldn't even afford the Uber. But the one thing I'm really curious about is that moment in college, that moment when he stated, not even ask, he stated to him, I'm going to work for you, Damon John. What came over him? What made him say that? He said he didn't feel like he said it. He felt like it rather, it came through him. I'm curious if you've ever done that. If an opportunity has presented itself and you just took a hold of it, you don't know what came over you. And then afterwards you thought, what the hell did I just do? What the hell did I just say? In closing, I want to give you that equation Matt mentioned from the energy bus again. It was E plus P equals O. Events plus perspective equals the outcome. And between the events and perspective, the easiest thing for us to change is the perspective, is the P. Change your perspective, change your narrative on it, and you can have a completely different outcome. Go connect with Matt. We'll put his social links in the show notes and make it a great day. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.